and welcome to Shift Happens. My name is Claudia Mahler, and I am curious about how women made it through turning points in their lives and how they reflect back on them. Too often, women just get on with it. The everyday, the duties, the expectations. Too often, life-altering events are being swept under the rug as life must go on. With Shift Happens, I want to create a space for women to pause for a moment and to share, to listen and to feel heard. A space where we connect and talk about life and its pivotal moments, about the highs and lows, the challenges and the joys, about what has been gained and about how enriching change can be. Some things we hear are heavy, some are funny. They all put me in awe as they are honest and raw testimonies of life. This podcast is a little window into the world. I invited women from all walks of life and various counties, countries and continents. I am in conversation with authors, business owners, artists, life coaches and change makers. All these women have their individual life story and much wisdom to share. another episode of Shift Happens. We hear and can read a lot about intuition and the inner voice and that we need to listen to it more. That's great and all fine, but it is so much harder in the rush of everyday life to do that. When you pause and really try to listen to it, yet fall asleep from mere exhaustion and then maybe ending up thinking that intuition might even be totally overrated. Well, it is clearly not. And how strong and life-determining one's inner voice can be, we can learn from my guest today. Dr. Barbara Mutidzdi joins me in conversation from Indonesia, from Bali, where she teaches conscious leadership skills at the university. Barbara is an academic of multiple degrees. She's originally from Zimbabwe and shares her story of enormous hardship and an abundance of wisdom, love, and positivity. To me, this podcast really becomes more and more a window into the world, and I'm so grateful how this tool supports connecting people, the dots, and how it enables me to grow a community of women. This way, the world becomes a village and seems much more manageable. Now, enjoy meeting Dr. Barbara Mutezzi. Claudia. So you have to tell us where you are calling in from. I'm currently in Bali, Indonesia. <laughs> Bali. Yes. Bali. Bali on a Sunday. What is it like? Very relaxed. <laughs> Very relaxed. Nice and sunny, as is the weather in Bali. Um, and yeah, it's a very nice chilled out time for me at the moment. Um, and a lot of people are having a good time just relaxing over the weekend, which is always good. <laughs> Originally, you are from? So yeah, I'm from Zimbabwe 
in Africa, and um, I came to Bali about a year ago. That's exciting. It's all the other way from on the planet. I mean, so far I've interviewed women in the US and in Europe, and I'm so excited that we are moving further east and away from the for us usual. So welcome, Barbara Mutetzi. Yes. You are a conscious leadership coach. That is correct. You work at the university in Bali, mm -hmm. and you have to tell us about your teachings there later. It's really interesting how our contact came about because it's actually through my in-law, sister-in-law, I think, of some <laughs> degree, or niece or something, <laughs> who's from Germany, married to a Dutch, but living in Bali. And you've met both at the university. And then she said, oh, Barbara needs to share her story. So I'm so <laughs> excited that you are here and with us today. Before we get into the deeper parts of the conversation, um, I have a few prompts for you. Flat or sparkling? Oh, um, flat. Dogs or cats? Cats. <laughs> Apples or oranges? Oranges. Stones or beetles? Beetles. If you were on a small deserted island mm -hmm. all by yourself and you are only allowed to take one thing, What would it be? Oh, goodness. <laughs> I've asked questions multiple times and I have no idea still what I would take. Um, on one thing, goodness, a journal. If you were to be reborn, what or who would you be? <laughs> I would be a bird, free as a bird. <laughs> free as a bird. Lovely. Yes. What's your most treasured possession? My heart. Lovely. <laughs> so moving from the heart. Yes. Straight to the pivotal moments. <laughs> when we briefly spoke and um, wrote emails to each other about that pivotal moment, you had an interesting approach because it was not immediately about the actual happening Of, yeah. of a certain event per se, but actually how you connected with your inner self and started out from there. So maybe you can share that again a little yeah, bit. Yeah, absolutely. Like the two steps and then the stories that are connected with it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Thank you for asking. Yeah, I couldn't find one pivotal moment. Um, I feel that there are multiple pivotal moments. But the biggest one was, as a child, I experienced a lot of abuse, um, physical, sexual, emotional abuse from people who are close to me who were supposedly supposed to be looking after me. And it was very confusing as a young child, as you can imagine. Um, and so I was intrigued. I was intrigued on why the people around me spoke about love, but acted differently. Mm -hmm. And I became quite alone as well because of that. Can I interrupt you for one second? Because the connection is not really good. Oh, okay. There is some echo in it. Or maybe let me remove my earphones. Do you think if... Does that sound better for you? Yes. Better. Okay, sorry for the interruption. No, it's okay. It's okay. So um, the disappointment and and how yeah people talked about love but acted so yeah differently. Yes, yes. 
Um, and there was always an internal voice that was quiet within me and that felt very comforting. And it was a very curious voice because it had a lot of questions um, that I couldn't necessarily find answers to. And so the library became my best friend um, because I could find books that seemed to answer some of the questions that I had as a child. And also the library was an escape for me. Um, I go on adventures in, in the books. Um, so one of my favorite authors was Enid Blyton, who wrote The Famous Five. Mm -hmm. So I could sort of go on adventures with this famous five young children who are the same age as I was at that time. And that felt very comforting. It felt like it felt more real than the outside world because the outside world was was too contradicting of itself because of people saying one thing and then doing another thing. Mm -hmm. And when we had our conversation before, we talked about the many degrees that I had. And one of the reasons that I went into, first of all, my first degree, which is psychology, was because I really wanted to understand the psyche of people, um, of myself and other people. Why were other people doing one thing, saying another and vice versa? And also growing up as a child, I was very, with all these questions that I had, I really became intellectual in going deep down and trying to understand these questions and also the answers. And I was very much in conflict within myself because I did not have any good examples around me at that time. Mm -hmm. So my biological parents died when I was very young, my father when I was five, so I hardly knew him. Um, and then my mother when I was 16, my biological mother. And then over like three or four years, I had to look after my younger brother. Um, and in that time, again, the people who had said they would look after me after my mother's death, who were my mother's close family, left like literally 10 minutes after we had buried her because they said your mother left your house so you can look after yourself. So over and over again, the people around me, whether it was because they also didn't know how to deal with the situation. So it's not a blaming or anything of that. It's just mm -hmm. the way I experienced that as a child's confusing. Um, and so I had to grow up very quickly. Um, at 16, I had to start thinking about how to look after my younger brother, who was seven at that time. I also wanted to complete high school. And so many things happened in that space. Um, we could talk for a long time. But these were just examples of things that happened as I was growing up that were just so contradictory to the voice that was inside mm -hmm. that was telling me that there was so much more out of life. Um, and I think I made a commitment to myself as a young child without realizing it, mm -hmm. that I always wanted to go down or back to that voice. Um, and I did not have a name for it. And obviously this is all after a lot of reflection and retrospective and all of that stuff. Of course. Now mm -hmm. that I'm an adult, I can explain that. But as a child, I couldn't. But years later, my mother's close friend, she's my current mother, I call my mom now, she and her family absorbed me into their family. So she's American and dad is British. So within themselves, they've got different cultures. And then they brought me into their family. And I'm this different culture as well, this Black child who was very quiet. And so that was an interesting journey to try and understand each other, each other's cultures and how we can become a full family together. Because mm -hmm. also my dad was married before and had two children before he met my current mom. And then between the two of them, they've got a daughter. So it's a a very blended family <laughs> with people with work galore. <laughs> yes, absolutely. That's a great way of explaining it <laughs> with people with totally different cultures. 
And that's how I got into my next degree, which was social cultural um, anthropology. And as you know, anthropology study of people and culture. So I was very interested in how we all looked so different on the outside. And we we're also all treated differently on the outside. But inside, we're all the same. We all want love in different ways. And we all express this in different ways. We give and we also receive in different ways. Mm -hmm. But the world treated me differently than from my white family. Mm -hmm. And that was super confusing as well. Because for me, we were all the same. Now that I've lived in these multiple households and really seen the core of us as humans. Can I ask a question? Yeah. When you, uh, as you say, got absorbed into your new family then and started to live with your current parents, yeah. were you still in Zimbabwe or had you left? No, I was still in Zimbabwe because my dad came to Zimbabwe, I think in the late 70s and then mom in the 90s. So they met in Zimbabwe, both loved the country and stayed. Um, and that's how my current mom met my biological mom because they worked together and became good friends. Mm -hmm. And so me being absorbed into her family was so much easier because I'd known her since I was 11. Mm -hmm. So that was an amazing, I'll call it a coincidence, but I don't believe in coincidences anymore. <laughs> yeah. I feel like there's so much, something much bigger. I call it the universe that just orchestrates a lot of these big movements that happen in our lives. And I think that's what the voice within me actually is, because um, sometimes I call it the universe within me, and I'm just part of the orchestra. And as long as I listen to it, the easier it is for me to find my life purpose. You know, the degree that I did was that. It was listening to, hey, there's so much more here that you can learn about people and cultures, um, because you yourself have questions about your own life. Let's go down this path. So I did that, and that was mm -hmm. amazing. And I remember in high school, I always wanted to become a doctor because at that time, it was the only thing I knew to describe how to help people. I always knew I wanted to help people and becoming a doctor was an example of how I could do that. Mm -hmm. But I hated chemistry because I was not good at it. <laughs> <laughs> and you needed to have chemistry to go I can understand. medical degree. So, yeah. yeah, so I struggled with that. Um, but years later, I came across medical anthropology, mm -hmm. which is amazing because I still had questions about people and culture and the decisions we make on our health because of our cultural context. So I did a master's in that up north in Durham in the UK. Um, so that was a lovely way of marrying the health part and helping people um, understanding the medical part and just bringing it into cultural context. And just tell me quickly your um, PhD, in which of your various fields um, have you gotten your PhD? So my PhD and what was your thesis? It's in conscious business ethics. And it's to help leaders see that there's a different way of leading. It doesn't have to be top-down hierarchical structure where everyone does not have a voice, just the leaders. Because I'd worked in various industries where the leaders I worked with, there's a term called the buck stops with me. So they made all the decisions in the organization, which has its place to some extent. But if you're hiring people for their skills there's a way to allow or prepare or create an environment where people you've hired can come in, step in, flourish. And once people flourish, they actually increase their performance. Mm -hmm. And the higher their performance, the more they contribute to the bottom line of the organization. So that's what I did. And it all came through the understanding of we are all human beings. 
We are all interconnected and all of us have something to bring to the table. And as long as our vision is clear on why we are here in this team, in this organization, in this family, in this community, it becomes easy for us to work together toward that common goal using our different skill sets and talents that we all have. So my uh, PhD was around that. How can you become a conscious leader for you to heal and grow and as a part of that, being able to create conducive environments for other people to step in and flourish. And that was part one. So that. much needed. Oh, there's part two. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> there's always part two. And part two. There's always. <laughs> <laughs> Because we, I feel like for me, one of the things that when I did my master's degree, one of my lectures was like, Barbara, you need to break things down, use smaller words and just show us the way processes, right? Like holding someone's hand. So I've taken that advice and I try and break things down as much as is possible to make it as simple as is possible. Because I know that when something is complicated, it takes me a lot of time and willpower to continue on with that. So I try and simplify things as is possible. Um, and so part one was that, how to become a conscious leader and why it's important and how you can become that every single day in what you do. So it's about embodying mm -hmm. leadership as opposed to just having a leadership title. And then part two went on to talk about how, yes, with businesses, we have our strategies, but when you have a global vision for your business, you actually increase revenue in the long run because you're not only serving the people in your concentric immediate circles, but you're um, working with the whole world, whether it's in climate, whether it's in finance, whatever your business strategy is, when you're feeding and know that you're feeding into the whole world, it makes it more sustainable. It makes it more regenerative because you're thinking at a higher level, which is really good for any business, despite or in spite of any challenges that we might be experiencing in the world, whether it's the pandemic or war or anything. But if you've got that bigger global vision on top of your own business vision, and then you marry that with part one, which is conscious leadership skills, that is amazing. Like it just, it allows your business to be about people, about humanity, about much more than the everydayness because you're making such a bigger contribution to everyone around you. Wow. <laughs> what a big life and what a span. And we went very quickly with you through a tough childhood and a huge turning point in your life um, yeah. when you joined this new family of yours. So what for you is the biggest takeaway? I mean, you said, you know, as a child, you had, you know, an inner voice and you just did what you did. You went to the library. That was your escape. And of course, often afterwards, we reflect on these things and um, can understand what actually really happened. But what was most helpful for you to get through this? Oh, I have um, this. Sorry, I have this fly in here. I'm sorry. To deflect from this important question, but I have this fly in here. I'm in the Alps right now, and yesterday the cows were brought back from the high lawns down to the stalls and the fields down here and with the farmers, and suddenly it's an invasion of flies, yeah? So I'm sorry for this one zooming around here. Always one. <laughs> There's always one, yes. No, but I'm sorry. So reflecting back yeah. what has been meaningful and helpful for you, yeah. the aha moment that you can always go back to. Yeah, it's that inner voice that inner voice 
you know, people call it different things. It could be the God in you, depending on your religion, your Allah, the Buddha in you, your higher power or inner power. People call it different things, but there was this inner voice within me that always felt like home. It felt like it was my voice as well. It felt very comforting. And it was a different kind of voice from the voice that I spoke out outside. Because I think one of the things that I did to my own detriment was I was a very big people pleaser because I wanted to be loved. And my way of being loved was to work at doing everything that everyone else wanted to do. And when I realized that that did not work and I started voicing that out, that was not received well, either with my friends or with my family growing up. And that was painful. It was painful growing up to know that I just had to be quiet and to follow through with what other people said or did. And this also went with organizations. Speaking up was not something that was allowed. There was no space to do that. There was no space created to do that. And I think this is one of the biggest reasons I actually worked on myself to cultivate that, to understand why there was such a difference in me expressing myself um, and that not being received well. And I've been able bit by bit to cultivate that inner voice because it's it's a very quiet voice. There's so much happening on the outside, right? When you walk outside, there's so much noise. It's all about billboards and big things. It's other people asking you to do something for them. And there's nothing wrong with all of that. But if we step out into the world without having filled our own cup first, it makes it so difficult to be authentic and grounded and real. And for me to be of service to other people, to start with myself. And, you know, there's a big revolution around self-love and it's not really about the exterior. It's not about getting mm -hmm. your hair done, nails done, going to the gym. Yes, that's a great start and a, a great space to continue in because all of those things have their place what I am finding and what I now know fully is that self-love is about asking yourself when you wake up every single morning, asking myself, what do what does Barbara want right now? What do I need right now to be okay? Um, and once that's covered and filled up or in the process, it makes it easy for me as a coach, as a leader, to be able to step out into the world and be there for other people fully because I'm not stepping out with an empty cup. I am filled with what I need to be okay as a full, authentic human being. And it's a continual journey. It's a continual journey. It's got its ups and downs. Mm -hmm. We talked earlier about me working at the university. Part of the reason that I came to Bali was there was an opportunity to work in a university here, which is in partnership with a Netherlands-based university that brings its students to Bali for 10-week programs. Mm -hmm. So one of the programs that I coordinate and lead is called um, the Inspirational Coach and Leader. You know, it's got three units and the first unit is really about personal development, not just reading books and forcing yourself to do things that will make you successful, but really digging down what I call underneath the iceberg, mm -hmm. above the ice, who we are on the exterior, right? But what's inside your psychology, you know, your cultural beliefs, your traumas, and just digging in underneath that iceberg to really understand who you are and what you're made of, because right now we are the result of everything we've gone through mm -hmm. it makes it easy to lovingly release what doesn't serve you anymore and then to take or move forward with what you know feels right and authentic for you 
we all have some gift within us, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. And the more you enhance that, the more you increase your self-awareness by really understanding who you are and why you are what you are right now, it makes it so easy now to take all the puzzle pieces of what you'd like the rest of your life to be like. Mm -hmm. And so that's one of the things I teach in the university on top of leadership, inspirational leadership. And it's amazing to see young people going through this. It really is. Yeah, actually, I think it should be man a mandatory class for every student or for every young adult starting out in whatever they're doing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it should already be instilled in schools, actually, if you ask me, especially in these times. I mean, we all know we need to shift globally And of yeah. course, as you pointed out so correctly, we only can do it when we are really connected to ourselves and can live this authenticity. It's tough for young people at the moment, yeah, to maneuver the world and to find out what they want. Yeah. All these opportunities, which are great, but then also the state of the world is not so comforting. And um, yeah. yeah, so that's really important work. You talked about your younger self and you already were so intuitive and smart to live in books and with books. But um, still looking back, what would be an advice to your younger self? Mm, you're on the right path. You're so right. Don't let anyone else tell you anything. You're on the right path. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one for the whole life. And. What is your advice to your older self? My older self, you are doing amazingly well and I love you so much. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Simple. Yes. Yes. <laughs> What is next for you? So you said that you are in Bali now and um, you started your teaching there and this is your space now. Do you ever want to go back to Zimbabwe or yeah, how do you feel? I'm wanting to stay in Bali. Mm -hmm. I don't know for how long. Um, I am happy here. The environment supports my spiritual growth and so I have not looked at what I'll do moving forward in terms of moving but yeah right now I'm grounded here it feels like I can be my authentic self here um in fact when I left Zimbabwe I sold off everything <laughs> packed up wow sold off everything gave away everything and moved to Bali with my two suitcases so yeah I will not be moving to Zimbabwe anytime soon <laughs> but <laughs> my home for now one of the beautiful things that I love about my life is that I know what my life purpose is and my life purpose is to help other people harness and control the power they already have within themselves to live a life off and on purpose right so it's to help them cultivate that inner voice so they can live an authentic and grounded life where they feel like they're the manager and director of their own life and how to make decisions that are aligned to why they're here on planet earth And directly with business owners and leaders, I'm helping them cultivate those conscious leadership skills. So I really see myself as a global citizen because human beings are literally everywhere. So anywhere and everywhere where one, I feel spiritually ground and authentic and real, and I'm supported in that way by the energy in the environment, by the people around me and by myself, combined with where there's a need where people are needing that support to figure out what their inner voice is and to elevate it even more. And with leaders who are wanting to create space for those type of people to come in, that's where I will go. So it's following that inner guide to see where I'm needed and where this information mm -hmm. will be useful for those who are ready. 
So what are your um, top three? I mean, it's a little superficial, but still the top three tools, quick tools to find purpose and authenticity. Very easy, actually. So the first one is answering the question, what brings you joy? And list everything that brings you joy. And with this exercise, don't write your social roles. So when I say social roles, I'm not saying don't write, I'm a good mother, I'm a good parent, I'm a good sibling, I'm a, I'm a good leader, all of those. What brings you as an individual before your social roles? Joy. That's number one. Number two, what are you really one. curious about in life? right? What are you really curious about? Write all of that down. When you've listed down the things that bring you joy, make sure you do them more often because the more you're happy, the higher your vibration, the more your life is a joyful journey. Number two, make time to explore the things you're curious about because that's your inner voice that's saying, when you go down this path, when you go and research or find more information about this, there is something there for you. So when you do the things that bring you joy more often than not, and you make time for the things you're curious about, those are like little breadcrumbs that are leading you along the path of your life purpose. Wonderful. <laughs> Thank you. Good. <laughs> that can be done. Absolutely. Very easy. <laughs> it's a matter of discipline, I guess, too, right? Yes, yes. Because it's, you know, when do we sit down and what am I joyful about? Yeah. And really stick yeah. to answering only that question. Yeah. If you think about it, of the 8.5 billion people, we're 8.5 billion, right? Almost or around that number. Yeah, 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 around that. There's only one you. So if if you don't take time to really understand who you are, then we are missing out from who you are. So it'd be so wonderful if we could all just sit down and explore that and then bring that out so that we can all be joyful in, you know, being the real versions of ourselves. So yeah, we are waiting mm -hmm. for that from you. And I'd really love to know more about that. <laughs> Great. So one of my missions is actually to cultivate more opportunities for broad and inclusive real-time conversations like we have, for example. Why do you think conversations like this are important and relevant? Mm. We are, I think, you know, you mentioned earlier around the world not being quite stable at the moment. And I feel like it's a great time for us to come together and really ask the question of, How have we gotten here as a country, as a world, as a community? And actually, because we've been ignoring each other, we've been making assumptions about each other. We have not been conversing. We've been putting each other into boxes, which separates us, right? It's we're describing each other, say those people, as opposed to really understanding that we're all connected. And I can use biomimicry as an example. And biomimicry is using nature, to explain um, spiritualism and us coming together as human beings. So above the ground, if you go into a forest, all the trees are beautifully different. Some are tall, some are big, some are small. You've got some vegetation at the bottom. Um, so that can look like human beings. We're also gloriously different above the surface, right? So you are white, I am black, I've got braids, you got your own hair, all different things. But underneath the surface, all the roots of the trees, 
are different, right? Are all connected underneath. They're feeding from the same soil. They're also giving to the same soil. So underneath the surface as human beings, we are all connected spiritually. So now what we've been focused on as a world, I believe, is just above the surface and forgetting that we're interconnected underneath. And so we have not mm. been having inclusive conversations or creating spaces where we can flourish together inclusively. And that has separated us. And unfortunately, because we are already connected underneath, that does not last long. And I think that's where the world is right now, where we start to realize, mm. oh, actually, what I do affects the next person. The conversations you're creating, the platforms that you're creating, Claudia, are very important because they are allowing us back to the journey to ourselves. And these conversations, as much as we have different stories, at the core of it, if we really think about it, it's see me as a human being. I see you as a human being. How do I come mm -hmm. with my talent and skills? And how do you come with your talent and skills for us to create a better environment above and below the surface for you and I and those around us? Um, so these conversations are allowing us to remove the coat, which is the ego, which is above the mm -hmm. surface, right? Um, I think it was Dr. Wayne Dyer who said that the ego, E-G-O, is edging God out. And if we're to speak of spiritual terms or Christian terms, God is within us right and mm -hmm. god is part of us so if we are saying no no i'm barbara this is who i am and you are different then what i'm doing is i'm pushing away god but god is already part of us and so the separation that edging away of the other human being is painful neuroscientifically mm. because it's rejecting a part of who we are and i think the world has experienced the pain at a greater level now that yeah People like yourselves with this talent of creating these communities are able to do that. And you're getting people who are saying, yes, I would love to be part of that community because it's so needed, because there's so much pain out in the world, unnecessary pain right now. In the past, yes, we might have needed to go through that so that we can come to the realization that perhaps we were walking a path that does not serve a community and now we can sort of start mm -hmm. coming back to who we traditionally are, which is a community together. So we can create a home, a community, a business, a nation, a region, the world together for ourselves and future generations as well. So, yeah. Yeah. Big, big, big. Yeah. Coming to the end now, what energizes you? What? <laughs> A number of things. It's not one thing. Can I say more than one thing? <laughs> sure. <laughs> Seeing my students do the work that it takes to dig under the iceberg working with my clients who are business owners and leaders and seeing how excited they are to see that there's so much more than the mundane tasks um, and that the mundane tasks in the business, yes, have their place. But when we work at cultivating environments for the people that they lead to actually flourish it is such a beautiful symphony of a business and that's been amazing to watch for myself yoga makes me happy breath work makes me happy exercising makes me happy um, comedy shows and just having an opportunity to speak to yourself and your audience this makes me so happy because all of that is intertwined with my purpose, which is to be of service to other people so that they can also live a life of purpose. Very nice. 
<laughs> and now we know, you know, your life is busy, is big. You're out there. How do you then calm your mind? Mm. What are your tools? The meditation helps. The meditation helps. And where my mind is very busy, which is often, I surround myself with good people, friends who I can speak to because sometimes my mind goes into a, a loop by itself um, and it's something that I'm working on and so able to speak to other people who are also doing the practice allows me to find my way back home and sharing stories and writing in my journal also allows this information just out of my head and on paper going for a walk as well especially in the evenings is very calming for me um, so all of those things are things that I've explored over the years. I did not know all of this stuff that I've tried out. And yeah, those those seem to help me a lot. <laughs> Wonderful. So yeah, it's been so enlightening, Barbara, to speak to you. And thank you for sharing your wisdom, your very moving past and your way out of this traumatizing experience. Yeah, huge pivots. And I'm sure your students are thriving under your guidance and with you as a teacher. And I thank you so much for being on Shift Happens and talking to me and our conversation. Absolutely. Thank you for inviting me. I appreciate that a lot. <laughs> okay. Lovely. Bye-bye. Yeah. Bye. of food for thought today. Barbara's story was moving, honest, earnest, and inspirational. And my takeaways are clearly the quick fixes on how to connect with one's inner voice. So I will get to it right away and write down what brings me joy and write down what I'm really curious about. This practice seems to be not only perfect for the magic moment of winter solstice coming up, but it might actually be a soothing exercise to help us stay in balance despite the heart-wrenching situation for so, so many human beings out there in the world at this very moment. Wishing you and yours a blessed, peaceful and love-filled time with family and friends. Shift Happens has been created and is hosted by me, Claudia Mahler. Editing... Andy Borison, Communications and Marketing, Amy Jacobus and Jessica Pearson from Amy Jacobus Marketing. I hope you felt connected and heard while listening to Shift Happens. Mm -hmm.